You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, you can do so by heading over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights about today's readings with others who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people, who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people, and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 254, and we are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 20, Paragraphs 633 to 642. 633. Thereupon they took Jesus to the Praetorium, where, with the same cruelty and contempt, They again despoiled him of his garments, and in order to deride him before all the people as a counterfeit king, clothed him in a much torn and soiled mantle of purple color. They placed also upon his sacred head a cap made of woven thorns to serve him as a crown. John 19.2 This cap was woven of thorn branches, and in such a manner that many of the hard and sharp thorns would penetrate into the skull, some of them to the ears and others to the eyes. Hence, one of the greatest tortures suffered by the Lord was that of the crown of thorns. Instead of a scepter, they placed into his hands a contemptible reed. They also threw over his shoulders a violet-colored mantle, something of the style of capes worn in churches, for such a garment belonged to the vestiture of a king. In this array of a mock king, the perfidious Jews decked out him, who by his nature and by every right was the king of kings and the lord of lords. Then all the soldiers in the presence of the priests and Pharisees gathered around him and heaped upon him their blasphemous mockery and derision. Some of them bent their knees and mockingly said to him, God save thee, king of the Jews. Others buffeted him. Others snatched the cane from his hands and struck him on his crowned head. Others ejected their disgusting spittle upon him. All of them, instigated by furious demons, insulted and affronted him in different manners. 6.34 O charity incomprehensible and exceeding all measure, O patience never seen or imagined among mortals, Who, O my Lord and God, since thou art the true and mighty God, both in essence and in thy works, who could oblige thee to suffer the humiliation of such unheard-of torments, insults, and blasphemies? 
On the contrary, O my God, who among men have not done many things which offend thee, and which should have caused thee to refuse suffering and to deny them thy favor. Who could ever believe all this if we knew not of any infinite goodness? But now, since we see it, and in firm faith look upon such admirable blessings and miracles of love, where is our judgment? What effect upon us the light of truth? What enchantment is this that we suffer, since at the very sight of thy sorrows, scourges, thorns, insults, and affronts, we seek for ourselves without the least shame or fear, the delights, the riches, the ease, the preferments, and vanities of this world? Truly great is the number of fools, since the greatest foolishness and dishonesty is to recognize a debt and be unwilling to pay it, to receive blessings and never give thanks for them, to have before one's eyes the greater good and despise it, to claim it for ourselves and make no use of it, to turn away and fly from life and seek eternal death. The most innocent Jews opened not his mouth in those great and many injuries. Nor was the furious wrath of the Jews appeased, either by the mockery and derision of the divine master, or by the torments added to the contempt of his most exalted person. 6.35 It seemed to Pilate that the spectacle of a man so ill-treated as Jesus of Nazareth would move and fill with shame the hearts of that ungrateful people. He therefore commanded Jesus to be brought from the praetorium to an open window, where all could see him crowned with thorns, disfigured by the scourging and of the ignominious vestiture of a mock king. Pilate himself spoke to the people, calling out to them, Ecce homo! Behold, what a man! See this man, whom you hold as your enemy. What more can I do with him than to have him punished in this severe manner? You certainly have nothing more to fear from him. I do not find any cause of death in him. What this judge said was certainly the full truth, but in his own words he condemned his outrageous injustice, since knowing and confessing that this man was just and not guilty of death, he had nevertheless ordered him to be tormented and punished in such a way that according to the natural course he should have been killed many times over. O blindness of self-love! O hellish malice of estimating only the influence of those who can confer or take away mere earthly dignities. How deeply do such motives obscure the reason? How much do they twist the course of justice? How completely do they pervert the greatest truths in judging the just by the standards of the unjust? Terrible, ye judges of the earth, Psalm 210, look to it that the sentences you render are not full of deceit. For you yourselves shall be judged and condemned by your unjust judgment. As the priests and Pharisees, in their eager and insatiable hostility, were irrevocably bent upon taking away the life of Christ our Savior, nothing but his death would content or satisfy them. Therefore they answered Pilate, Crucify him! Crucify him! 636 when the blessed among women, Most Holy Mary, saw her divine Son as Pilate showed him to the people and heard him say, Ecce homo, she fell upon her knees and openly adored him as the true God-man. The same was also done by St. John and the holy women together with all the holy angels of the Queen and Lady, 
For they saw that not only Mary, as the mother of the Savior, but that God himself desired them thus to act. The most prudent lady spoke to the Eternal Father, to the angels, and especially to her most beloved Son, precious words of sorrow, compassion, and profound reverence, possible to be conceived only in her chaste and love-inflamed bosom. In her exalted wisdom, she pondered also the ways and means by which the evildoers of his innocence could be made most opportunely manifest at a time when he was so insulted, mocked, and despised by the Jews. With this most proper intention, she renewed the petitions above mentioned, namely that Pilate, in his quality of judge, continued to maintain the innocence of Jesus our Redeemer, and that all the world should understand that Jesus was not guilty of death, nor of any of the crimes imputed to him by the Jews. 637. On account of these prayers of the Most Blessed Mother, Pilate was made to feel great compassion at seeing Jesus so horribly scourged and ill-treated, and regret at having punished him so severely. Although he was naturally disposed to such emotions by his soft and compassionate disposition, yet they were principally caused by the light he received through the intercession of the Queen and Mother of Grace. This same light moved the unjust judge after the crowning of thorns to prolong his parley with the Jews for the release of Christ, as is recorded in the 19th chapter of the Gospel of St. John. When they again asked him to crucify the Lord, he answered, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I do not find any cause for doing it. They replied, According to our law, he is guilty of death, for he claims to be the Son of God. This reply threw Pilate into greater consternation, for he received it might be true that Jesus was the Son of God according to his heathen notions of the divinity. Therefore he withdrew with Jesus into the praetorium, where, speaking with him alone, he asked whence he was. The Lord did not answer this question, for Pilate was not in a state of mind either to understand or merit a reply. Nevertheless he insisted and said to the king of heaven, Dost thou not speak to me? Dost thou not know that I have the power to crucify thee, and the power to dismiss thee? Pilate sought to move him to defend himself and tell what he wanted to know. It seemed to Pilate that a man so wretched and tormented would gladly accept any offer of favor from a judge. 638. But the master of truth answered Pilate without defending himself, but with unexpected dignity, for he said, Thou shouldst not have any power against me, unless it were given thee from above. Therefore he that hath delivered me to thee hath the greater sin. This answer by itself made the condemnation of Christ inexcusable in Pilate, since he could have understood therefrom that neither he nor Caesar had any power or jurisdiction over this man Jesus, that by a much higher decree he had been so unreasonably unjustly delivered over to his judgment, that therefore Judas and the priests had committed a greater sin than he in not releasing him, and that nevertheless he was too guilty of the same crime, though not in such high degree. Pilate failed to arrive at these mysterious truths, but he was struck with still greater consternation at the words of Christ our Lord, and therefore made still more strenuous efforts to liberate him. The priests were now abundantly aware of his intentions, threatened him with the displeasure of the emperor, which he would incur if he permitted this one, who had aspired to be king, to escape death. 
They said, If thou freest this man, thou art no friend of Caesar, since he, who makes a king of himself, rises up against his orders and commands. They urged this because the Roman emperors never permitted anyone in the whole empire to assume the title or insignia of a king without their consent and order. If, therefore, Pilate should permit it, he would contravene the decrees of Caesar. He was much disturbed at this malicious and threatening intimation of the Jews, and seating himself in his tribunal at the sixth hour in order to pass sentence upon the Lord, he once more turned to plead with the Jews, saying, See there your king! And all of them answered, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! He replied, Shall I crucify your king? Whereupon they shouted unanimously, We have no other king than Caesar. 639. Pilate permitted himself to be overcome by the obstinacy and malice of the Jews on the day of the Perisave, then seated in his tribunal, which in Greek was called Lithostratos, and in Hebrew Gabbatha. He pronounced the sentence of death against the author of life, as I shall relate in the following chapter. The Jews departed from the hall in great exultation and joy, proclaiming the sentence of the most innocent lamb. That they did not realize whom they thus sought to annihilate was the occasion of our redemption. All this was well known to the sorrowful mother, who, though outside the hall of judgment, saw all the proceedings by exalted vision. When the priests and Pharisees rushed forth, exulting in the condemnation of Christ to the death of the cross, the pure heart of this most blessed mother was filled with new sorrow, was pierced, and transfixed with the sword of unalleviated bitterness. Since the sorrow of Most Holy Mary on this occasion surpassed all that can enter the thoughts of man, it is useless to speak more of it, and it must be referred to the pious meditation of Christians. Just as impossible is it to enumerate her interior acts of adoration, worship, reverence, love, compassion, sorrow, and resignation. Instruction which the Great Queen and Lady of Heaven gave me. 640. My daughter, thou reflectest with wonder upon the hardness and malice of the Jews, the weakness of Pilate, who knew of their evil dispositions and permitted himself to be overcome, though fully convinced of the innocence of my son and lord. I wish to relieve thee of this astonishment by furnishing thee with instructions and warnings suitable for making thee careful on the path to eternal life. Know then that the ancient prophecies concerning the mysteries of the redemption and all the holy scriptures were to be infallibly fulfilled. For sooner shall heaven and earth fall to pieces than that their words fail of their effect as determined in the divine mind. In order that the most ignominious death foretold for my Lord should be brought about, it was necessary that he should be persecuted by men. But that these men should happen to be the Jews, the priests, and the unjust Pilate was their own misfortune, not the choice of the Almighty who wishes to save all. Their own wickedness and malice brought them to their ruin, for they resisted the great grace of having in their midst the Redeemer and Master, of knowing Him, of conversing with Him, of hearing His doctrine and preaching, of witnessing His miracles, and they had received such great favors as none of the ancient patriarchs had attained by all their longings. Hence the cause of the Savior was justified. He manifestly had cultivated His vineyard by His own hands, and showered His favors upon it. But it brought him only thorns and briars, and its keepers took away his life, refusing to recognize him as their opportunity and their duty before all other men. 
641. This same which happened in the head Christ, the Lord and Son of God, must happen to all the members of his mystical body, that is, so the just and predestined to the end of the world. For it would be monstrous to see the members incongruous with the head, the children show no relation with the Father, or the disciples unlike their master. Although sinners must always exist, since in this world the just shall always be maligned with the unjust, the predestined with the reprobate, the persecutors with the persecuted, the murderers with the murdered, the afflicting with the afflicted, yet these lots are decided by the malice and goodness of men. Unhappy shall be he, through whom scandal comes into the world, and who thus makes himself an instrument of the demon. This kind of activity was begun in the new church by the priests and Pharisees, and by Pilate, who all persecuted the head of the mystic body, and the further course of the world, by all those who persecuted its members, the saints and the predestined, imitating and following the Jews and the devil in their evil work. 642. Think well then, my dearest, which of these lots thou wishest to choose in the sight of my son and me. If thou seest thy Redeemer, thy spouse, and thy chief tormented, afflicted, crowned with thorns, and saturated with reproaches, and at the same time desirous to have a part in him, and be a member of his mystical body, it is not becoming or even possible that thou live steeped in the pleasures of the flesh. Thou must be the persecuted, and not a persecutor, the oppressed, and not the oppressor, the one that bears the cross, that encounters the scandal, and not that gives it, the one that suffers, and at the same time makes none of the neighbors suffer. On the contrary, thou must exert thyself for their conversion and salvation in as far as is compatible with the perfection of thy state and vocation. This is the portion of the friends of God and the inheritance of his children in mortal life. In this consists the participation in grace and glory, which, by his torments and reproaches, and by his death of the cross, my Son and Lord has purchased for them. I too have cooperated in this work, and have paid the sorrows and afflictions which thou hast understood, and which I wish thou shalt never allow to be blotted out from my inmost memory. The Almighty would indeed have been powerful enough to exalt his predestined in this world, to give them riches and favors beyond those of others, to make them strong as lions, for reducing the rest of mankind to their invincible power. But it was inopportune to exalt them in this manner, in order that men might not be led into the error of thinking that greatness consists in what is visible and happiness in earthly goods, lest being induced to forsake virtues and obscure the glory of the Lord, they failed to experience the efficacy of divine grace, and ceased to aspire towards spiritual and eternal things. This is the science which I wish thee to study continually, and in which thou must advance day by day, putting into practice all that thou learnest to understand and know. This concludes our reading today for day number 254. We've been reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 20, Paragraphs 633 to 642. Today in our reading, we hear about Jesus being crowned with thorns. And now as we've heard this, the pain and how it came about, how it was piercing his head, piercing his skull, how they mocked him. Well, now when we pray the third sorrowful mystery, we'll be able to meditate on this. Another thing worthy of our meditation, as we were told in the reading today, is that of Our Lady. 
It is useless to speak more of it, and it must be referred to the pious meditation of Christians, the sorrow of Most Holy Mary on this occasion. And as we see where Our Lady was during these moments of Christ's passion, and to see what she does, well, that's worthy of meditation. Pilate saying, Behold the man. And there, Our Lady falls to her knees. She adores Jesus. And that act of adoration, something that happened, of course, when Jesus was born, and now here in these final moments of his life, she's there in adoration, teaches us to adore the Lord, especially when we enter into the church to adore him who is present there in the tabernacle. And we see again the efficacy of Our Lady's intercession. On account of these prayers, the Most Blessed Mother Pilate was made to feel great compassion at seeing Jesus so horribly scourged and ill-treated and regret at having punished him so severely. And you wonder then, Our Lady's prayers are piercing the heart of Pilate. He's having regret and remorse. And you wonder what happens later on in the next days, weeks, months, the rest of Pilate's life. Does he have a change of heart? Does he become a believer? And if it does happen, we can say it's because of Our Lady's prayers. And that's why we entrust everything of our lives asking her to pray for us so that we might know the effect of her heavenly intercession. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.